Vienna was built to be the glorious head of a vast and mighty Habsburg Empire. But ever since the Austro-Hungarian Empire lost World War I and fell, you could say it's a head without a body. Vienna is a grand capital, but it's ruling a small, landlocked country. But the Viennese have still dedicated themselves to the art of living life well. Compared to most European capitals, the pace of life is slower. There are no skyscrapers, and classical music is everywhere. And the refinements of the glory days of Vienna back in the 18th and 19th century have not lost their luster. Helping us to arrange a suitably aristocratic walk around Vienna is Austrian tour guide Andrea Wolf. Andrea, thanks for joining us on Travel with Rick Steves. Thank you for having me. When I say that Vienna is a head without a body, of course, formerly ruling this vast Habsburg empire, how does that show itself in Vienna? Well, if you go to Vienna, you see all those uh, magnificent buildings, the architecture, the richness of that vast empire that Austria used to be until 100 years ago. Of course, today Austria is just a very small country and the power of the pastimes is long gone. Now, so it, you've lived all your life in Austria and at one time Vienna was the competitor of Paris, sort of the, the powerhouse in the east. But now you're no longer a superpower. Is that kind of a blessing? Because the Austrians are very good at just enjoying life. I'm fine with that. I wouldn't want to fight to get back to the status that we lost 100 years ago. So I actually enjoy living in a country that is not so internationally famous and uh, known all over the world because I don't think a lot of people know what's going on in Austria politically, and that's okay. It's kind of nice after a crazy history with 600 years of Habsburgs. And Austria just knows how to, it's almost like every afternoon is a Sunday afternoon. People are out strolling, enjoying beautiful coffee houses, beautiful music, beautiful chocolate. Yes. Free time is actually very high value in Austria, I think. And if you do have a free afternoon, uh, you would want to be out and about, meet friends, uh, maybe go shopping, but especially go to the coffee house. Now, there's a particular word in Austria, uh, Gemütlichkeit. Gemütlichkeit. Yeah. Can you tell me about that? I actually use the adjective more often, gemütlich, uh -huh. so comfy, cozy, and it's very important. If something is not gemütlich, it fails. Nobody wants to have it. Like a house can be gemütlich, uh, a work environment can be gemütlich, a coffee house, uh, a restaurant. A restaurant. So you can find a, a what is the word, Beisel, a Beisel? Beisel, or a, a Gasthaus. A Beisel is a very low-key restaurant where you can get basic food. Uh, you don't have to dress up or something. You don't make a reservation. You just show up. You can also just have a drink there. And it's gemütlich. And it is gemütlich. If it's good. It's usually good. <laughs> That's a good word to know, gemütlich, when we're traveling in Austria. I'm joined by Andrea Wolf. We're talking about Vienna. It's interesting when you look at the street map of Vienna, you can actually see its medieval fortifications in the street map. Can you explain that? Well, you have the Ringstraße that uh, goes around the city center, the first district, that Ringstraße is, um, now you have all those beautiful buildings like the city hall and the opera house mm -hmm. and the museums. But uh, until 150 years ago, there was the city wall that mm -hmm. enclosed this, the first district as a fortification of the city. You know, that's interesting. All over Europe, a city will need a wall in the Middle Ages, and they'll have a huge wall. And then in modern times, the city grows bigger. Uh, there's less chaos. They don't need the wall anymore. And this big thing is embedded in a congested, bigger city. Obviously, tear down the wall, you have a circular boulevard. In Vienna, they tore down the wall and they made this grand boulevard lined with important buildings. Actually, if you do hop on a tram in Vienna, you can see all the buildings. You just drive right by the uh, the opera house, the city hall, 
the Natural History Museum. You would see the Hofburg, the Palace of the Habsburgs. So just get on that tram, tram number one or number two, and go all the way around the circle. You have to switch once, but it's very easy. You can uh, do it on your own as often as you want. And when we're in Vienna, it's very safe and comfortable to walk about. Let's take a walking tour, Andrea. Uh, Let's start, we'll start at the Opera House. When you think of the Opera House in Vienna, of course, opera is so important to the Austrian culture and, and people love music. When you see your Opera House, what does it mean to you? I actually become more and more proud of the Opera House every time I see it because um, I've been in there a couple of times, more than a couple of times. But I I think it's great that uh, they have an opera every night. There's always a reserved 400 standing room tickets that anybody can line up for. It's usually students, but maybe also tourists that didn't plan ahead of time and they just want to get a last-minute ticket. And how much do these cost? They cost either 3 or €4, Euro, depending on So about $5 which... to go to the opera in Vienna. And you're, you're, exactly. you're seeing the greatest opera in the world, arguably, for 5 bucks. You see the opera from inside, you see the best musicians, you see all the star singers and uh, the orchestra, And of the course. trick is to get a standing room spot, and that's quite easy to do if, if you know how... And then uh, you mentioned there's an opera every night, but they're not the same opera, right? No, so you can a... stay for a week and see a different performance every evening, actually. It's a bit scary. <laughs> you can go to the opera every night, so you do the calculation wow. of 25 bucks. Now, that's a lot of work to be changing the sets and everything and to be running all these operas uh, on successive nights, different operas. Different operas, and in the afternoon they also have to practice for different operas that are not running the same night. So they, the stage... Changes a lot So it's during a cauldron of activity, and in spite of all that busyness, they let the tourist tour, and they'll take beautiful tours of the inside of the opera house when possible. You can also do a tour of the opera, and um, they will explain to you, maybe even uh, go backstage. Mm-hmm. I prefer the opera itself when it's working, and even just have a glass of and, wine. And with these $5 tickets, you can hop in, and, and you don't even need to stay the whole time. You're standing up there on the railing, looking from the high level down, and you can stay for an hour or two and then head out if you like. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Andrea Wolf, who's a guide in Austria. We're talking about the capital city of Austria, Vienna, and the passion Vienna has for culture. And I believe that Vienna actually works to make high culture, the opera, the symphony, available to everybody, to be accessible. They will broadcast when the opera is sold out. They'll broadcast it live on a big screen outside of the opera. And talk about the big uh, music festival they have at the Rathaus, the city hall. That's actually very interesting because in summer they put up big screens and it's also all free. It usually starts after sunset, so it has to be dark. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not just opera. They also play rock concerts. I think mm-hmm. last time I was in Vienna they played Pearl Jam. And uh, it doesn't have to be classical music. So it's just, it's uh, a, entertainment. Um, entertainment. And there's a massive screen and a couple thousand chairs. And it's uh, in the park that surrounds the big towering city hall. And there's must be 50 different little restaurants serving all sorts of different food. It's quite a spectacle for, for anybody who wants to connect with a lot of other people. Oh, yeah. I would recommend that because, first of all, you can try traditional food, even if it's just mm, sausage from a sausage stand. But uh, that's interesting, too. Grab a drink, and it's free. It's only in summer, though. Katie's on the phone from Eden Prairie, Minnesota. Bruce Brooks. <laughs> It's been uh, 40 years since I was in Vienna as a student, and one of my favorite memories is at the Rod's Keller. We had a dinner there and then a concert in the plaza. And that's why it was good to know about the opera, that $5 a night. I'm curious about other music opportunities, music and dinner, or just uh, concerts by themselves. I know the tickets are uh, more than $5, but how does one go about uh, doing that? Uh, should I arrange tickets here from the United States? 
I have a friend in Berlin who, if that's any advantage, just how might I go about choosing or can you just get in a line? Andrea, what is good advice for Katie if you, if you want to get a ticket affordably for some quality music in Vienna? I wouldn't necessarily buy it ahead of time. You can take it easy. There are so many different venues. You can even, um, like in the Hofburg, in the Habsburg Palace, they have every night there's a concert. Um, oh, and the, the High Mass at the Augustiner Church. On a Sunday morning, you can go to the High Mass, 11 o'clock, come early, because the seats, they don't sell out, they're free. You actually don't only give a donation at the end, but it's an, a beautiful choir. That would be a musical experience. Or if you want to see the Vienna Boys Choir, they also sing in a church uh, on Sunday morning. On one Sunday morning, I was able to see, go to the Mass at, is it called the Augustiner Kirche? Yes. The, the big church at the palace, the Hofburg Palace. That was free, and there's an orchestra playing, and it was just an amazing experience. And then I popped into the um, Hof. Couple, the, the Hofkapelle. Hofkapelle, where the boys' choir plays. And, and boys' choir seats for the, for the mass there are taken long in advance, but you can go into the narthex of the church and nobody gets to see the boys' choir when they sing because they're up in the loft behind you. And you can hear and you can sort of feel like you're there even though you're standing out in the lobby and be listening to the live performance of the Vienna Boys' Choir if you happen to be in Vienna on a Sunday morning. That would be a fabulous experience. It really is. Andrea? Uh, and, and the other concerts, I mean, there's, I don't know, any hotel in Vienna that wouldn't be uh, happy to book the tickets short-term mm-hmm. for you because I, you can always choose on site maybe uh, what, what you prefer. Do you prefer Waltzer? Do you prefer Mozart? Lots going on. I would remind you, Katie, there are a lot of guys dressed up like Vivaldi out in the squares with their powdered wigs trying to sell you touristic concerts. And there's two kinds of concerts, really. There's touristy concerts, and they're fun, but they're with musicians in leotards. And then there are serious concerts, and you have to be careful which concert you decide to go to, depending on what your taste is. I would rely on the hotel. Well, more yeah, than... I don't want to just hear the sound of music again. <laughs> That's good. Okay, Katie, thanks for your call. Ah, vielen Dank. And uh, Andrea, Katie uh, welcomed you with a Grußgott. That's typically Austrian greeting. What is that? Grußgott, greet God. That is uh, actually how you recognize the Austrians apart from the Germans, but also it's also common in Bavaria. Bavarians also say Grußgott as that, a is hello. Is that so, a, a greetings to God or, or God's greetings or God is great or what, what does that mean, Grußgott? Greet God. Greet God. I so, greet God. And Justin is calling from Duval in Washington. Justin, thanks for your call. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure speaking with you both, Rick and Andrea. My family is traveling to Vienna, and we're looking for some fun and interesting activities for a middle schooler. I would uh, maybe go to the Nash Market. Nash Market is an um, mm-hmm. open-air produce market. It's very long. It's a, one stre- a long stretch of uh, market stands where you find ethnic food, uh, olives, spices, teas, whatever you're looking for. I think there's a lot of different food types, and it's fun to look at. If you're traveling with little kids, I think one of the fun things would be to rent a bicycle, and this is great. In right downtown Vienna, you can rent a bicycle, and in moments, you're across the river and uh, out um, on the Danube. Yeah, the Danube Island is actually a very nice place to bicycle because there are no cars. You get nice views. It's uh, quiet out there. If you are there on a weekend, uh, you might uh, see all the people uh, barbecuing. Justin, that is the best idea. This It's a man-made island. It's very long and skinny. It's a park, and it's where the Viennese families are hanging out, and People are having barbecues, kids are playing, and it's idyllic. There's no traffic, so if you're on a bicycle there, it's just perfect. Well, that, that's great. My, my son really likes to bicycle, and I, I think we'll take you up on that one. Have Thank a good you. time, Justin. Thanks for your call. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're speaking with Andrea Wolf, an Austrian tour guide about Vienna. 
and we were walking through Vienna, and from the opera house, we head down towards the cathedral, and we come to Kaisersgruft. I don't know if Justin would want to go there with his middle schoolers, but uh, the Kaisersgruft is one of the most historic cemeteries or, or crypts anywhere in Europe. You go downstairs and, and tell us what you find. Well, you see all the Habsburg family members that uh, are not with us anymore, but they've passed away over the last uh, centuries. So Maria Theresa... From Maria Theresia, Joseph II, but also Sisi, the Empress Sisi. Yeah. And it's for me, it's, um, it's a bit of a creepy place, but then the Viennese have, are said to have that connection with death, like they integrate death into life or life into death, however you want to see it. And you see that the difference between the coffin of Maria Theresia, which is a very huge monument, actually, and her sons, Joseph II, the enlightened emperor, just a very basic... Uh, simple. A simple, simple coffin. coffin yeah. uh, the biggest contrast you could imagine. So you can read a lot of history and, and art trends and social trends into the styles of the coffins right. of the Habsburg centuries, literally centuries of Habsburg tombs. And you can actually measure who's more popular today with the populace by which tombs have more flowers on them. That's always Sissi. It's always Elizabeth, Sissi. Always so Sissi. She's sort of like Princess Diana. Exactly. I mean, think about Princess Diana for the English. For the Austrians, it's Empress Sissi. Now, when we go from the, we walk further downtown, we pass the emperor's tombs and, and we get to the Stevensplatz. And here we have a great uh, cathedral, Stevens Cathedral. And around Stevensplatz, there's a pedestrian street called the Graben, which has a lot of history. What does Graben mean? Graben means uh, molt or ditch. Vienna was a Roman settlement, a military settlement. At a certain point, they filled up the molt and uh, built houses on so it. So this was a moat? Yes. So like a ditch, literally the ditch. Yes. Okay. And we have a, a monument there to the plague. Which exactly. Is quite striking. Which is very, very tall. You can't miss it, the plague monument with a statue of one of the Habsburg emperors and where you can see what the Habsburg emperors were famous for. Their lower lip is sticking out. Okay, Actually, their like jaw an, is sticking underbite. out. A big underbite. Is that because they were marrying their cousins and a little bit deformed? Most probably, yes. So that was a family trait. Yes. And they showed it in the statue. Now, nearby, just a, about a block away, is my favorite place for a, a simple lunch, a famous sandwich shop. Oh, yes. Yeah, um, there is a very famous place called Treszniewski. The name doesn't sound very German. Uh, it sounds more Polish. It has been around since a long time. You would go there for a um, quick bite. and Little, tiny uh, open-faced sandwiches. Open-faced sandwiches, um, similar to it, the Italian tramezzini. Mm-hmm. So it's, but it's, uh, it's got a, more of a full cornbread or, ribe, or, or a healthier, healthier version. Dark bread. And a lot of variety, freshly prepared, and you would just uh, grab whatever you want to choose. There's not much sitting there's no big seating area. You would stand up and uh, have a quick bite and drink typically a glass of wine with it. Just talking about Buffet Trzniewski, and that is not a very German name, but it is a reminder of the multi-ethnic heritage of the Habsburg Empire. That is true. And I mean, especially in Vienna, if you look at the phone book, most of the names do not sound German at all. They have a Polish or a Czech or Slovakian mm. roots. And that all goes back to more than 100 years ago when all the immigrants from the poor crown lands came to Vienna to build those monuments on the Ringstrasse, for example. And actually, we forget oftentimes, but 100 years ago, Vienna was the capital of a vast empire and German speakers were actually in the minority. That's true. In that empire, for sure. Mm-hmm. In the Habsburg Empire. And of course, today, after World War I, they, they, they lost World War I. They lost their international empire. The Habsburgs were thrown out in 1918, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, today we have uh, uh, the remnants of that still surviving culturally. Andrea, let's finish off with just a mention about the coffee house culture because no visit to Vienna is, is complete 
without not only having a cup of coffee, a good cup of coffee, but understanding what this coffee culture means to the Viennese and how we can enjoy it as visitors. It does mean a lot. You should definitely go to one of the, the famous coffee houses uh, if you want to have the real experience. That means male waiters only. Only male waiters in a real coffee house. Uh, mm. The waiters should be a little bit arrogant, if not grumpy. That's also part of the experience. And uh, you need to call them if you want to order. Oh, so, so if will, you're a tourist sitting there, you'll never get any service? No, you can sit there for an hour probably and then so leave you got, again. you've got but grumpy male waiters and you've got to be aggressive to get their attention. Then if you have their attention, uh, they will ask you what you would like to order. You order uh, the coffee the way you want it. It can be a little coffee, a kleiner brauner, a small espresso with milk, or it can be a melange, which would be the Austrian version of a cappuccino. So with froth milk. And the beautiful thing about a coffee shop is you've got the neighborhood there. You've got newspapers scattered around. You can take all the time you want. The table is yours. Nobody will sit with you, and nobody is expecting you to ask whether you can join them, so don't do that. Just take your own table. There are have usually 50, 60 international newspapers, so you can read the whole morning. It's, like, it's almost like an extent. Let's pretend you lived in a very small apartment nearby. This would be your, your place to stretch out and have the newspaper and have a coffee. It's an elegant part of the, life in Vienna. The extended living room, that's what it was uh, mm-hmm. because people did have much smaller apartments, of course, in the past. And it was also a meeting place for writers, philosophers, artists. And there's one very famous coffee house uh, that I really like. It's a bit run down, but it's called the Café Havelka. Mm. The owners, they opened that Café Havelka about 1930s, more or less, 1936, I think. I remember seeing Mr. Havelka. He was 99, mm. and he was still standing there and greeting his customers. Andrea Wolf, there is so much to see and do in Vienna. Thanks so much for giving us a little insight into the capital of your beautiful country, Vienna, Thank the capital you. of Austria. Thank you. Rick Steves teaches smart travel to Germany, Austria, Switzerland, the Low Countries, and beyond. At ricksteves.com, you'll find an archive of interviews from his radio show, free audio tours, a monthly travel newsletter, and a world of information to help you turn your travel dreams into smooth and affordable reality. To prepare for your next European adventure, begin your trip at ricksteves.com.